Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. You may be seated. My dear friends in Christ, it's kind of a popular thought today in uh, what we call liberal theology, which just means that they don't take the Bible seriously. It's a popular thought among them that Jesus never claimed to be God. Not once did he say, I am God. Now, that last statement is true. He never says, I am God. But he claims to be God all over the place. And today's passage from the Gospel according to St. John proves it. And in fact, not only did Jesus claim to be God, but everybody around him knew what he was claiming. The Jews already knew that Jesus was claiming to be God, and they couldn't stand it. That's what this whole passage really is about. Jesus is claiming to be God, the same substance of God, begotten of the Father before all eternity, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. This is what Jesus is claiming, and they don't want it. In fact, what they really do want is Jesus to claim to be God so that they can stone him, that he's committing blasphemy. And guess what? <laughs> he claims to be God, and they try to stone him. So everybody kind of gets what they want, except that the Jews can't actually finish the job here. But that's all right. We're going to come back to that. First, what the Jews do is they try to disprove the idea that Jesus is claiming this for himself. They call him both a Samaritan and someone who has a demon. Now, I have no idea why they think that this man hails from Samaria. I don't know if they're actually referring to this idea that don't you come from Samaria, this place where Jewish blood is mixed with Gentile blood? Don't you come from a place where you can't possibly be the Messiah? I think that's more of what it's about. Let's call you the name so that you can't possibly be the Messiah. It's kind of like when you're talking with someone in the grocery store, and I find this more often like back home in Cincinnati than I do up here in Wisconsin, but they've got like this big old southern twang, and you can barely take them seriously because they're just talking like this all the time, and they sound a little bit ridiculous, and in your mind again, you're kind of going, wow, they sound a little bit like a redneck. <laughs> and then they tell you that they're a doctor of philosophy at the University of Cincinnati, doesn't seem to go together. And so I think by calling Jesus the Samaritan, they're trying to say, you can't be this. You are too different. You're not pure. You're not clean. You're not one of us. Now, just to cover their bases in case he, well, proves that he's not a Samaritan, which everybody knows he's not. Isn't it true you have a demon? Oh, yeah, sure, I've got a D. I mean, who expects someone to answer yes to this question? But if Jesus has a demon, he also can't be the Messiah, and thus he cannot be God. It is a very true thing 
And hopefully this gives you a little bit of hope and a little bit of assurance that a Christian cannot be possessed by the demonic. It is impossible. The Holy Spirit has filled you up completely that there is no room for you to be possessed by the demons. Can you be influenced by demons? Of course you can. But you cannot be possessed by a demon. And this religious people, at least these people of Israel, which now is the church, we've always known this. Demons do not possess those who have faith in the one true God. We've always known it. So if the Jews are claiming, don't you have a demon? Aren't you unfaithful? Do you not believe? Aren't you different from us? Aren't you as bad as a Gentile to us? So they're trying to set him up. Either it's by his genetics that he cannot be the Messiah and thus be God, or it's by his faith that he cannot be the Messiah and thus be God. And Jesus looks at them, and I think just kind of shakes his head at the pure audacity of these people. He says, I do not have a demon. In fact, I honor my father. So he's answering the question of faith. I honor my father. And you dishonor me. Now you might think, well, what's that got to do with anything? The way this works, the father glorifies the son. The Son glorifies man. Man is to glorify the Son. And this is the way this is always supposed to be. We constantly are giving God the glory. And specifically, God would always turn our eyes to Jesus. And so we are constantly looking to him and giving him honor and praise. And certainly we worship the Father and certainly we worship and praise and bless the Holy Spirit. All of these things we've just confessed. There are not three gods, but one God. They are not three lords, but one Lord. We worship them all. God in his unity and in his divinity. But as it happens to the person, God the Father is glorifying Jesus. And Jesus does all that he does in order to glorify you. That's the way that this should work. And as he does this, then of course we glorify him. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm of the faith, but you're not doing it rightly. I glorify my father. I honor my father. And yet you dishonor me. You're not doing it the right way. If you did do it the right way, you would know that I am from the Father and you would worship me as God. That's what he's saying. Then he says to them something very particular and confusing. He says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, the Jews aren't thinking here that Jesus truly is God. And the word that he's talking about to them is this word that has existed from the very beginning. Let there be light all the way through the law, all the way through the prophets, 
all the way even until that day. That's not the word that they're thinking about. That's the word that we think about. That's not the word they're thinking about. They think that Jesus is giving them a new word, a higher word than the word that God had given. And so he says, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. And they say to him, now we know that you have a demon. Now we know that you're not of the faith. Because Abraham died as did the prophets, and yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you then greater than the, our father Abraham? Because our father Abraham kept God's word and tasted death, so you're saying you're better than God. And the prophets died too. Who are you making yourself out to be? Jesus is not claiming to be different than God. Jesus is not claiming to be greater than God. Jesus is claiming to be God, but they don't want it. And isn't that the way that we kind of all seem to work? We love this Jesus who forgives our sins. We love this Jesus who promises everlasting life, but we don't really love the Jesus who tells us how to live day in and day out. We don't love the Jesus who commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We don't love the Jesus who tells us to zip our lips rather than stop gossiping. We, love, we don't love this Jesus who tells us that we shouldn't take time from our employers and be surfing Facebook on company hours. We don't love this Jesus who tells us all the things that we should do. We don't love that Jesus. We like the Jesus who gives us stuff. But see, Jesus isn't claiming to be a different kind of God than the God who does all of that. Jesus is claiming to be God from beginning to end. He is the Alpha, which means that he is the source of all things. And he is the Omega, which means that he is the end, or that all things have their final fulfillment in him. And if he is the source of all things and all things have fulfillment in him, everything in between is his as well. Our sinful hearts don't like that. The Jews didn't like that. And so they're looking at him and saying, who do you make yourself out to be? The question is, who do you make Jesus out to be? Not who does Jesus claim to be. We know what Jesus claims Jesus is claiming to be God. Jesus is claiming to be the one true God from before the foundation of the earth. Who do you make Jesus out to be? It's popular in Christian circles to say, well, you know, Jesus is my Savior, but have you made him your Lord? And that's a really stupid thing to say. If Jesus is your Savior, he is your Lord. And it doesn't matter if you make him your Lord. He is your Lord no matter what. Jesus is still your Savior no matter what. No matter what you think about him, no matter how you see him, he's still your Savior. No matter what you think about him, no matter how you see him, he's still your Lord. No matter what you think about him, no matter what you think about anything regarding him, he's still your God. And do you see him that way? Or do you see Jesus the way you want to? I think that movie came out over a decade ago, Ricky Bobby, The Ballad of Talladega Nights. He's there sitting around the dinner table. And he, they're talking about prayer. and He says, 
I prefer to see Jesus as the little baby Jesus, the golden wings. So they start praying, little eight, eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. I mean, that's kind of how he wants it. And they all go around the table and they start thinking about how they see Jesus. And I mean, this movie has nothing to do with Jesus. They're using religion to mock you. But here they're talking about how they see Jesus in all of these different possible ways. And they're all envisioning him how they want him. The reality is this Jesus is the very Jesus who is going to return to this earth with a sword coming out of his mouth, destroying it with fire and putting it how he wants it. That's the Jesus we worship. Is that the Jesus you worship? And if so, that's wonderful. Because that's also the Jesus that looks at you with compassion and says, I forgive your sins. I'm with you. I died for this, to bring you to myself. Jesus looks at the Jews Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus doesn't want to answer that question. Because if he glorifies himself, he says, his glory is nothing. That's like a person boasting about how great they are. We all know these people, right? I'm the best at blank. And you take it as seriously as a child who looks at you and says that same thing. If Jesus glorifies himself, All he's doing is boasting in himself. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't want to do that. Instead, the Father is glorifying him, and that's what matters. In fact, this Father, Jesus says, is the very one that you say, that's our God. And if he's your God, then you would know him. I know him. If I said that I didn't know him, Jesus says, then I would be a liar like you are. This is the Jesus equivalent of the mic drop, right? You talk and then you drop the mic and you just walk away because everything's over. Nobody can beat it. Jesus says, if I said I didn't know God, then I'd be a liar, just like you. The reality is Jesus is claiming not only to know God, but to be God. That he's saying, look, you better be listening to me because I know this man, or this God. I'm his son. If anything that I'm saying is a lie, then God would not be glorifying me. God would not be doing the signs and the miracles that attest to my Messiahship. If I said I didn't know him, or if I was something new, or if I was something different, then I would be a liar. And I'm not going to do that. In fact, I will keep his word. And his entire word points to me. Then Jesus says something big. Abraham, your father, the one you claim to be descended from, not only of genetics, but also by faith, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And he was glad. This doesn't mean that Abraham looked into the future by some prophetic vision and saw Jesus' incarnation but that by the very word of God to Abraham, that his seed, Abraham's seed, would be the way in which the world was blessed. Abraham saw this day coming by faith and was glad. 
that seed of Abraham is not the multiple children that are out there as numerous as the stars. That seed of Abraham, that one offspring of Abraham is Jesus the Christ. And Abraham knew this by the word of God and he rejoiced. The Jews don't understand. They thought the hope was in the multiple offspring, the multiple children of Abraham, Israel as the collective. And they said, you're not even 50 years old yet. And you say you've seen Abraham, meaning, of course, how long have you been around? And Jesus finally then says the last thing he needs to say to them to show that he is God of God. Before Abraham was, I am. I would argue that anytime we see Jesus saying, I am in the scriptures, this is Jesus himself claiming to be God. For instance, they're out on the water and the storm is raging at night and they look out and they see this ghost and they cry out in fear. And Jesus looks at them and says, fear not, I am. I am is the shortened name of God. It's a very simple two words in Greek, ego, a me. It's part of the, what we call in Hebrew, the tetragrammaton, which just means the four letters that make up God's name. Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. That's how we often translate that. Meaning, I am who I am. So when Jesus claims to be I am, He says, I am God. Before Abraham ever existed, before Abraham ever was given the promise that you would come along, before Abraham was ever pointed in faith toward God, I am God. Not I was, not I will be, I am God. And seeing this, hearing this, The Jews picked up stones to throw at Jesus. But Jesus, and I don't think that this was like he hid himself under Peter's cloak or anything, but by his divine power, hid himself and walked out of the temple because it was not yet his time to die. They would kill him. They would be successful in killing God. But it was not yet his time. That time was appointed by God the Father to glorify his Son upon the cross. And I know that doesn't seem like it fits, that the cross is the glory of the Son, but it's true. Never in any point of history has God ever been more glorious than when Jesus is bleeding and dying on the cross. For there he has won the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting for you. That's the only place. That was the only intention of Jesus, that he would come into the flesh. The very God who existed before the foundation of the earth would come into human flesh by his mother Mary and die for you, to forgive your sins and to bring you into everlasting life. This Jesus is God, and he reveals to us who God is in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's why this day is so important to us, this Holy Trinity Sunday. 
this day is so important because it tells us who is the God that we worship. Who is the God that we bow down and bless? Who is the God that we glorify? And the glorified God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who will be with you now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.